Hi, and welcome to podcast number two in our series on patterns of fate and destiny. Today, um, we have Mahipal as the guest speaker, so to say, and he will explore one of his core core talents or core ways of being, um, which, which we have collectively called vision of earth, life, and humanity. Um, and um, in our uh, in our friendship with with Mahipal, me and Sergey, we've discovered that um, Mahipal has some very unique perspectives on this. And so, let me just hit it off with a question, and then we'll go from there. So, Mayur, um, what is it? Uh, what is your vision of of our planet, and what is your vision of of humanity and the relationship between between that? Wow, talk about a loaded question. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it, it's kind of hard to answer an open frame like that, but let, let me see. I think I know what you're asking me about. Let me talk about what I don't understand. And uh, because by starting with uh, things that I don't understand, uh, I might be better able to articulate what I do understand, <laughs> right? What I don't understand is how... Um, people can draw a line in sand, an imaginary line in sand, and then those become borders. And um, two, two, two people essentially being on those two sides of the border, pointing guns at each other. I don't understand that. I don't understand that just because I was born to East Indian parents, I get labeled as, hey, uh, you are an Indian, or you are this, or you are that. I don't understand that. I don't understand how one man can essentially uh, put down another man just because of uh, race, caste, creed, or privilege or non-privilege that that person is born into. I don't understand that. What I don't understand also is how, uh, how can one be happy when they see so much unhappiness around? And what I mean by that is... Uh, at the end of the day, we are, after all, one. It is one web of life. It's one fabric of life. And um, uh, trying to uh, maximize locally while suffering globally is absolutely stupid from, <laughs> from my perspective. So um, I think, I think that's, uh, that's at the core of what I don't understand. And that probably explains what I... Where, where I see us coming from and where we are going with this. Um, I think uh, there's this age-old saying that we are not on the earth, but we are off the earth. I think that's, that's essentially a, a, a critical key precept. And you're going to find this in a lot of the old cultures as well, whether you look at the native Indians here or the, the, the Aryan, uh, the pre-Vedic culture in India. And Aryan, I'm using that word very specifically to talk about the pre-Vedic culture in India, not Aryan as you understand, as most Anglo-Saxons understand that word. Um, so there's a, there's a specific uh, relationship that, that exists with Earth, right? And that, that becomes the foundation. And the question is whether you are looking at conquest over it. And I think it's when we are looking at conquest over it, that's when we draw those lines in sand. 
those arbitrary lines in sand and we spill blood in the name of where that line should be drawn yeah and the the relation the shift in the relationship happens when you stop seeing yourself as on the earth and start seeing yourself as off the earth now suddenly everything in in and on this planet is related to you and your sense of self and your sense of who you're related to suddenly transforms now you're going to watch your footstep and say hey i don't want to step on that hand i can place my footstep one one <laughs> one foot to this side of that side i think that's 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 the number one distinction um the way i see it yeah it also kind of creates this um sacred and a luminous relationship if you will with life around you and i'm not just talking about people but also uh uh animals and uh, everything else you know i think john muir said this really well he said the mountains are calling i must go uh someone just hears that they'll think he's nuts but i truly understand what he's saying but then maybe i'm nuts right <laughs> so uh i think um, the other thing was like one of the last uh, places to be taken in north america was uh, seattle and um, when uh the and the city gets its name after chief seattle this native indian and uh, he was signing away sovereignty uh to the uh, federal government and he said something which like struck me deep and almost i had tears in my eyes and he said uh and i'm paraphrasing him he said i hope they take care of our brothers and our sisters these rivers which feed us and these animals that run beside us and he wasn't just talking about uh uh the people of the native indian race so to speak so i think that that touches something uh, very deep and profound right and um maybe it's partly my religious uh, don't like the word religious but uh, i can't think of another term right now a spiritual training i guess there's a interesting distinction i heard there um religion is for those people who are afraid of hell and spirituality is for those people who have been to hell and back <laughs> so <laughs> so, nice so, uh, so i guess it's uh, it's much more a uh, uh, spiritual training where both uh, in jainism and vigyan bhair of tantra where this notion of everything is alive and everything is luminous and everything is you and you are everything and i think that 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 is a critical piece right so when you ask me what's my vision uh but this is uh, i mean it's not a vision i'm looking to impose on anyone else but it's just how i see how how i see this thread of life and uh, that's the way i see it i think sometimes cities suffocate me and this is uh, this is much more a uh, development that i had early in my life and then in the middle i was lost for many years and i think through the podcast you've heard me talk about some of my struggles and uh, even a twist with madness if you will and that that was my hell my personal hell that i went through and uh, had both demons real and imaginary <laughs> to deal with and uh, now i'm rediscovering that uh, that that connection with the sacred that connection with nature itself where if i'm not in it something's missing and you guys you guys know what i'm talking about so have i begin to answer your question i think so um you often speak of 
something greater than one, than oneself. Yeah, it's a, it's a common phrase uh, for you. Uh, how does this relate to everything you've said? Is this uh, are you referring to Earth? Are you referring to something even greater, larger, greater than Earth, or, or, or what is it? So I mean, um, I, I guess um, I guess uh, the, the best way to describe it is uh, what is your uh, what is the center of your attention, right? I think so many of us are thought, uh, I, me, and myself, and the separation happens, if you will, between what is I and what is not I, right? And therefore, the term, uh, therefore, the term, um, greater than myself. So when I speak about greater than myself, I mean this particular ego structure or this particular body, right? And when I say greater than myself, it's about everything else, right? So it, it's kind of now. Just imagine, right? The best the best way to think about it is cancer. Hmm. Yeah, uh, where a cell by itself doesn't function with the rest of the body. A group of cells doesn't function well with the rest of the body and just goes on its its own path, if you will, mm-hmm. multiplying crazily. It harms the entire organism. And in its and that very that in harming that organism, it doesn't realize that it's also leading to its self destruction. Even though the cell by itself thinks that it's multiplying rapidly and growing in strength, that very strength becomes the seeds of your own destruction. So, so when I think about it, and I mean, uh, I was, I've been thinking about cancer a lot lately, and uh, uh, with my dad's. Uh, with my dad's challenge with it and it's made me realize that it's when this individual cell loses touch and relationship with the body if you will cancer happens similarly when i as an individual or you as an individual loses touch with the fabric of life and you start to grow rapidly and exploit things because you just want to grow 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 whether it's uh, it's agreed towards power it's agreed towards uh, uh, natural resources they're like oh just just go drill drill a hole in the earth and get even more oil out who cares about those uh, whales we just need their their flesh and we need that oil yeah I mean, how, when, when we think like that, we think, oh, we are maximizing for this one short period in time. But how can you fail to see that we are the can- we can become the cancer and we become the cancer when we lose that, that connection, that, that consciousness of the relationship with everything else. And I think it's this uh, emphasis on I need to be great, I need to do this, I need to look after my tribe my tribe, however you define it, whether it's uh, genetically or memetically, you know, uh, it's, it, that is what causes this cancer. Look at the history of revolutions in the world, right? We all talk about revolutions and how great this is or that is, but every revolution has caused more tyranny than the previous, at least for many decades. Look at, I mean, look at Russia, mm-hmm. look at China, right? So, and it's always in the name of utopia. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, make make these sacrifices in the name of utopia. So uh, it's it's so that's what I mean by memetically. That I think there is room for everyone and everything. The question is, how do we find our place and say, okay, this is what I need and this is what I have to give, and then there is this very symbiotic relationship with the greater than self. It's in the absence of this symbiosis 
that cancer happens or you become cancerous to the system as a whole. So you cannot destroy the system without destroying yourself. It amazes me that people don't see it. We, we just talk about things like, oh, let's drill holes in the Arctic. Guys, do you realize what happens there if you have an oil leak there? Do you realize what happens if water levels rise up 8 to 10 feet? It's, it's, just, it's just amazing. What about the life that exists there? What about those species that inhabit that place? We don't even think about their right on this earth, so to speak. So when I'm talking about this relationship with greater than self, uh, I think anything outside this ego structure of I and however, however large you define your universe, whether it's the country, it's the earth or the universe, it's that greater self. And, and to me, that is God, because that's where ultimately intelligence is, in, in the, uh, that higher level of intelligence outside and beyond myself. So what is your sense of self? Where does your eye end? Wow. I think... Um, rather, I should say I feel, right? Because uh, uh, I think it, 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 it ends where you feel the pain and you feel the joy. If you can feel the joy on the top of a mountain with the entire horizon... That is your sense of self. If you can feel the pain of that that whale that you've never seen before and you see these ships shooting harpoons at it and you feel that pain, that's your sense of self. Because I think your sense of, at least for me, the sense of self is a state of uh, emp empathetic relationship and uh, uh, and what you can feel and relate with. So, uh, uh, I guess that's the best way I know how to describe <laughs> myself, right? Uh, to me, you're a part of myself and I'm a part of you as well because uh, you guys are like my brothers. I love you guys. And uh, I, I, feel, I feel both your joy and your pain. And uh, it's not, uh, it's not that there is a difference in the kind of pain and there's a difference in the kind of joy, but I still feel it. So, uh, I don't know, that's the best way I can describe it. Hmm. You spoke uh, about the horizon that you have. Um, where is the horizon of your vision? Oh boy. So I think uh, the one thing I learned uh, growing up, I think, um, especially if you grew up around rich Indian mythology, or I think mythology in the East in general, right? Uh, you tend to think in terms of seven generations, right? You say, okay, uh, if I'm making my decisions today, and how do I make these decisions that maximize things across seven generations? This is what mythology has taught us, to think, to think in that terms of span. And it it it'll 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 lead you to make much more balanced uh, decisions. I think. I think there was a period in my life between uh, 2003 and 2000, maybe eight or nine, something like that. No, time is not my strength. <laughs> Those years, <laughs> that was this complete disconnect and uh, uh, this this tryst with uh, uh, a very weird kind of madness, if you will. Uh, where I lost this sense of being able to balance. I, I, I could hear it. I could hear myself talk, think about those seven generations, 
but I didn't live it. You know, I didn't live it. And as I started to make that change about living through those seven generations, it started causing profound change, especially to the people in and around me. And the ones who harmed me the most did so in the name of love or in the name of protecting themselves or others without saying, hey, what am I doing to this other person? Right? So what is my span? I would say that's, I hope to be able to live up to that ideal. I don't think I live up to that ideal, right? But uh, I, I would hope that my vision would be able to span that far and think about it. And I think, I think in general, it would be, I mean, here, here's another example, right? This blew my mind away. Um, I was in grad school and there was a project that came across. And the project, these guys, this one particular large Japanese company uh, that everyone uses some product of that I can't name, um, brought together economists, mathematics, anthropologists, scientists, science fiction writers together to lay out a 200-year-old strategic plan for the company. A 200-year strategic plan. <laughs> right? Now, talk about having a vision and saying, okay, these are the pieces that come together and you need to think about this stuff. That completely blew my mind, completely reframed how I thought about strategy in general. So, um, do I have a 200-year plan? Hell no. <laughs> uh, do I have seven generations now? But I think that's the perspective I'm trying to hold more and more and uh, operate or come from that place. You know, I'm curious. How do you do that? Like, you know, what is, what is, what is, what do you think in your mind to see or plan seven generations ahead, or it's very feel seven generations back? I don't know. It comes naturally, I guess, uh, to me at least, right? I mean, so I, I don't think about it. It just happens. For example, um, I was. Uh, uh, I was on top of uh, Mount Kunas uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, spectacular, spectacular place. They call it the Backyard Everest in, um, here in California. And when I, reached, when I reached that ridge, I looked behind and I said, oh, this, this needs to be protected for future generations. And uh, This is this is something that our great 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 grandchildren should be able to see, um, and uh, what happens is uh, the thought just hits, and I say, what happens if it doesn't protect? And suddenly, I just see uh, a, a population expansion, high rises coming up, areas being blocked off, um, and uh, this again, this creation of boundaries, this creation of. Uh, um, the haves versus have-nots and this creation of this is not something that is shared uh, by everyone on earth and it belongs to everyone and uh, to it becoming um, reclusive for few people I mean it see this is what amazes me it fucking blows my mind right it just blows my mind think about it <laughs> how, how, what's our lifespan let's let me be generous and say a hundred years hundred years mm -hmm. and we have the bloody arrogance to mark out a piece of land and say this is my land that land has been there before you came in and will be there long after you've gone 
how can that be your land? At the best, we can say this land gives me the privilege to be here for that hundred years that I'm alive. Right? It 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 just blows my mind. My house. I mean, what do you mean my house? Okay, you you're living there. It's not yours we've created these <laughs> these structures because at the end of the day the only thing i think is yours is your consciousness and that's the last thing we try to claim <laughs> so uh and what what is it like for you to interact with people who who, who don't think this way you know who very much operate in the world of my house, my land, my country. Uh, you know, I built a skyscraper on on backyard Everest because that makes me money. And you know, I mean, this is this is this is whatever ninety five percent of of population, right? I think it used to make I think it used to make me very angry um, until uh, the realization hit me that in fighting them, I'm making them stronger. A <laughs> and B. Uh, how am I different if I'm fighting them where um, I'm hoping that my memetic pool will grow faster than their memetic pool? <laughs> Is this by, by children? <laughs> nah. huh? Oh, memetic. Well, okay. Memetic so, pool. Yeah. 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 So uh, I guess I stopped fighting it. And uh, uh, I think it's, um, it's, uh, I think it's arrogance on our part to think that we can save nature. Uh, a small hiccup in nature can uh, essentially wipe out nations, right? Look mm -hmm. at a tsunami, look at... Uh, I mean, I'm speaking metaphorically, I'm not endorsing any of this, right? What I'm saying is that it's it's arrogance that thinks we can protect nature. At best, we can protect ourselves, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, I, I guess I feel sad for them now. I don't feel... I, I feel sad for them and I feel sad for... I just feel a sense of sadness that uh, we we are spreading this particular form of cancer and uh, not realizing that we are destroying ourselves in the process, right? So, uh, so I guess I just feel a sense of sadness. It used to make me very angry. I used to give a lot of money to um, uh, organizations who are out there crusading this, that, and then I realized that's become their religion. And uh, uh, I think it's religion that divides us, <laughs> whether it's in the name of science or name of any uh, god or goddesses you put up there. Mm. I'm curious, um, what is, um, we spoke a lot about planet and about humans, but uh, when so you speak about nature. Is there some special relationship you have to uh, to animals or to um, to plants? I, I, I don't mean like on a grand scale, you know, overall. But like when you go into the forest hiking, or when you I don't know, see a dog in the street or a deer in the forest. Is there something there? I would think so. I've never quite thought about that. Uh, uh, there is a, I think I think there's a sense of life right I think the question is do you resonate with that sense of life which is real and primal or do you do you click to the sense of life which is fake and glitzy for example the best example I can think of is Las Vegas <laughs> right 
and the the other extreme is uh, um, hiking in the back country of say Yosemite or back country in Utah where I guess what I see when I see those trees and plants uh, uh, is is I guess a, a pulsation of life that that wakes up in you right in my in me rather and in a way it brings me alive so to speak this is other poem by um, this uh, it's a it's a native Indian poem but Wagner translated it where he said um, you're not lost the forest knows where you are <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's, it's about a poem about a young native kid being lost in the forest and he says relax don't be afraid you're not lost the forest knows you who you are ask permission to know it and give permission to be known by it no two trees are the same to their wren but if that difference is lost to you then you're truly lost yeah so I think um, uh, you guys are reminding me of my days of quoting poetry all over again <laughs> you know? but I think that poem uh, says it so I think it's a, it's a pulsation of life that that I that I could work five days and then head off for three days into uh, crazy crazy hikes and climbs and then come back to five days of work I mean to most people it would seem like you can't keep this on right but I say but the way I think about it is those three days of uh, so-called madness is what brings me alive so that I can deal with the death <laughs> on the other five days at the corporate world so to speak because uh, that's what it is because all your you're being used up you're you're uh, in my case it's my brain cells that are just generally being used up but there's a lot more to me than just my ability to solve a bloody problem right what about your whole bloody life that's waiting in front of you what about there's so much to see and do so uh, do i see something yeah i i see life awakening mm -hmm. And it's, it's you know it's an interesting thing. There's this. I think uh, I told you I, I'm not going to share this story uh, on this podcast. It's it's very personal, but I think you guys know. You know, my uh, remember I told you about that redwood tree falling. Mm -hmm. Those animals showing up. It's it's kind of interesting. You know, it always makes me wonder: is it that your intent becomes so pure that these things happen in the forest? Or is it that these things are going to happen and because you're so tuned with it, you wake up to it, almost like a precognition, mm. you know? And I don't know. But either way, sometimes it's cool and sometimes scares the bloody shit out of me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, there's something you said that um, I wonder how you make sense of it. On the one hand, um, you see a lot of what's happening right now as, as, as this uh, abusive consumption and you compare it to cancer-like growth. Yeah. Uh, and, but on the other hand, you, you said that uh, you used to uh, go on these religious crusades to support organizations that do that. Yeah. And, yet, and yet now you, you, you gave this up because, because uh, you understood that by fighting them with the same tools, you, you, make you become it them. Yeah, you right, become so them and you make them stronger, yes. And you make them stronger. So then, how do you make sense of this? You know, on the one hand, you see sort of the, the wrong happening, and on the, and on the other hand, you're really powerless, no? 
I don't think so. In fact, I think it's the other way around, right? It's not about being powerless, but it's coming to your own power. Because think about it. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of the, uh, and I'm included in that in the past, a lot of people who are out on a mission to save the world, so to speak, God bless their souls. I think there are quite a few of them who are, <laughs> no, seriously, quite a few of them who have their hearts in the right place, right? And, and yet there's this m- messiah complex that sets in. Yeah, I've seen I've seen it happen to quite a few people, right? And then it hit me. It's not the world that needs to be saved. You are screaming to be saved, right? Mm. And until until you're not saved yourself, what right do you have to save the rest of the world? By the way, I'm not saying stop. Like I I love what the sea shepherds are doing. You know, they go out, they block the Japanese ships from killing the whales. They risk their lives. Okay. I, I have the deepest respect for them, right? I'm not saying they should stop doing it. But at the same time, I think we also need to see that nature is also a reflection of ourselves. And the very things that we go to save or fight outside are usually the very things that we need to save for and fight for within ourselves. And I think um, I think as we start to do this in our own microcosms, we are truly fractals. As we do so in our microcosms, it will also start reflecting in the macrocosm. Then I might be completely wrong. <laughs> mm. Does that make any sense? Yes, of course. So where do you see the humanity developing in the next 100 to 100 years? At the current rate, extinction. <laughs> think about it, okay. right? No, no, seriously, think about it, right? I mean, jokes about... If you're an alien, okay, okay, and you're traveling through space, and you decide to take a side cruise and show up in our solar system, no idea about what humanity is or whatever else, yeah? Say, oh, I see that nice, cool blue planet, right? Oh, let me take a cruise by. You start cruising by, you come by, and you, you know, whatever telescopes or whatever else you have, you start looking at the Earth. You could see the bloody planet at war with itself. That's what it would appear from out there. It's bombing itself. Think about it. <laughs> That's how it would appear if you had no context for for Earth or its Earthlings. So where, where do you see it? I, I don't know, man. I I I, I quite hope I I can uh, I can work on a few things that I I want to work on and the few people that show up in my life. You know, if uh, if uh, if this approach makes sense to them, they they adopt it and take it forward I think ultimately um, again I think my my in my opinion my roots had it right my roots in Jainism and Tantra uh, where, where it says the whole notion of Jaina a Jaina is, means uh, someone uh, who is on the path to conquer himself so one of the one of the founders of this it's, it's, it's in essence it's an atheist movement if you will the world's first atheist movement um, he was a great king and he gave up, uh, he, he won a great battle and then they asked him why is he giving up his kingdom to go on a penance when he's such a great king. And he said, a king rules over himself. A uh, king rules over the world and a master rules over himself. And that's the path that I'm going on. And, and the word Tirthankar, uh, these, uh, you can see this as the word Buddha or, or God, I, I don't like that term. but. You have 24 Tirthankars in Jainism, and the word Tirthankar means he who goes from this part 
to the other part, meaning from man becomes God. He escapes, not escapes, he fights, he wills his way to becoming uh, that God. And then you have avatars, which is the descending of God from the heavens to the earth to save you. But, but this is a perspective that says, I don't need a God to save me. I fight and I become <laughs> that very God. And it's not a very arrogant statement, actually. It's, it's very humble. Because for you to do that, you have to realize that your sense of self spans the entire, everything that is known to you. Do you have a problem with humanity's extinction? No. <laughs> Why are we so special? Come on, man. I mean, <laughs> think about it. <laughs> no, I mean, think about it. Uh, Would you feel sorry, you know, if, if seven generations down, your grand-grandchildren will have no, well, will disappear? Hopefully, a more intelligent species will come up, right? Because it's, uh, mm. it's, it's, the, it's the smartest and the most adaptive that survive, right? And... Uh, 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 well, think about it. The Neanderthals, I feel sorry for them. Yeah, maybe, but if they hadn't gone, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Think about <laughs> it, <laughs> right? So, so uh, I mean, so I, in some I, sense, so you're in, rooting in, for the for the planet, yeah? Yeah, is that true? Yeah, okay. the planet's not gonna die. Right? Yeah, hell no. Uh -huh. yeah. I hope not, unless we blow it up. <laughs> yeah, even there, I'm yeah, I, don't, there. I don't think we can. Yeah, I, no, I hope not. Well, I hope never. <laughs> technically, technically, we can kill most of life. Yeah. Yeah, but we cannot blow the planet, right? Uh, planet, no. Planet. Oh, yeah, and 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 and, uh, and life uh -huh. and life uh, life as we know it, we may destroy it. Mm-hmm. Right. There's there, so much there, more. There's so much more. Uh -huh. So, who am I rooting for? I'm not rooting for uh, humans to be destroyed, but human stupidity. Yes. <laughs> and there's a, there's a profound difference, right? I think uh, that probably is impossible. Yeah, and uh, I think Socrates said it so beautifully, right? Uh, before he was put to death, he said, "I'm not an Athenian. I'm not a Greek, but I'm a citizen of the world." He said this 2,500 years ago. And, in, and 2,500 and 2,500 years since, we still we still. Uh, we still have a problem with just saying, yeah, I'm a person and you're a person. And based on your religion, caste, creed, which side of the border you were born, <laughs> makes all the bloody difference. That, that, mm. that is sad. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, this uh, has been a fascinating conversation <laughs> by your... Um, uh, and in the next uh, in the next podcast, we will explore some of the um, sort of sort of say drawbacks <laughs> of, of of having this vision of the world. Because remember, uh, by pursuing any particular uh, path, a well-defined path, you're closing doors to all the other visions of living, and uh, it's a trade-off. In some sense, it's always a trade-off. So we'll see what Mahipal is missing. <laughs> a lot. A <laughs> <laughs> lot. Yeah. yeah. Alright, with that, good night and good luck. Have a wonderful day. And may you be happy. The copyright of this recording is owned by the Radical Change Group and the individual contributors. Permission to copy and distribute freely is granted, provided that the entire recording on this notice remain intact.
please visit us at www.radicalchangegroup.com. Your comments and feedback will be greatly appreciated.